This is Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast, hosted by Pulp and Paper Canada magazine, the industry's news source since 1903. You've tuned in to hear conversations with pulp and paper experts on the latest technologies and trends affecting this essential part of Canada's forest products sector. Hello and welcome to Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Urquhart, editor of Pulp and Paper Canada magazine. In this series, we will be speaking with industry experts about topics of interest for the sector, such as new technologies, market trends, safety guidelines, process control, maintenance, and energy efficiency. There is no topic more relevant right now than how COVID-19 is impacting business operations. Pulp and paper makers haven't missed a beat, rolling out stringent safety protocols in the early days of the pandemic and making rapid adjustments in capacity to respond to market conditions whether that's been through curtailing production of newsprint and specialty paper grades or scaling up in-demand products such as tissue. Container board and paper packaging have also seen changes in demand as a result of the COVID-19 lockdowns. E-commerce, grocery orders, and restaurant takeout needs have spiked, but those container board volumes are somewhat offset by other areas where demand has dwindled. Today, I'm joined remotely by Alan Kirkpatrick, Executive Director of the Canadian Corrugated and Container Board Association, or CCCA, to talk about the role of corrugated right now. Alan has spent his career in corrugated packaging, mostly on the sales and marketing side, first with Domtar's former packaging division and then for Cascade's container board packaging. From 2011 to 2014, Alan was chairman of the Paper and Paperboard Environmental Council, during which time he was also a member of the board of directors for the CCCA. He signed on as executive director of the CCCA in 2016, and since then has been working as an advocate for the association's membership of roll stock producers and converting plants. During the pandemic, that has included ensuring the government named the CCCA's supply chain as an essential service and facilitating knowledge sharing among the association's membership. Thank you for joining us today, Alan. Well, pleasure to be with you, Christina. Please let our listeners know what the Canadian Corrugated and Container Board Association does and how you guys are working for the industry. Officially, we're a not-for-profit trade association, and we're registered with the Government of Canada under the industry section. We've been in place since early 1970s, and membership within the organization simply gives a voice to things that are important to the companies that are supplying the corrugated packaging products across Canada. We maintain regular solid production uh, data for the industry to rely on. We keep a focus on uh, health and safety. We speak to the issues that would be current, whether it's provincially, whether it's federally, or whether it's public. And boy, right now it is really, really public. So I can only say that we were, as an industry, all extremely nervous in mid-March, leading up to the question to ourselves of, were we going to be shut down? I had calls from all kinds of senior people saying, we've got to do something about this. What are our customers going to do if we're shut down? You can't ship anything. So did our absolute best as quickly as possible. And it ended with a full lobby effect to the federal government, to the senior federal cabinet ministers, to every provincial premier, to every senior cabinet minister within the provincial sectors. And fortunately, with great relief, we were designated as being essential, which to us only made sense and allowed us to carry on and get an opportunity to continue to supply the people that were important. So that was a relief. There's been a a demand in cardboard that has increased Mm -hmm. over the last couple of months. Can you talk a little bit about how the demand has changed as a result of COVID-19? Well, with a deep breath, I'll say to you, it is unbelievable to to kind of reflect back as uh, recent as March. 
and look at our, our data and, and see shipments up over 7% from 2019 March. It's just remarkable to see that occur. It's never in my lifetime ever happened uh, in that way. It started with all things related to comfort foods and, and beverages and then personal care items, everything to do with health and cleaning industry. As the major food chains were busier and their sales were soaring, well, so did ours. And then that became followed by the home delivery rush. I think we're probably going to have a record shipment of pizza boxes. <laughs> it's just been um, unbelievable how that has surged. But also just the general home delivery channels have crept up and uh, just related to people being at home. There was a hoarding issue in, underway in March. I think we, we all know that. But things change quick. There's been some leveling of the situation. The meat industry, as you know, is struggling with the virus. Uh, Alberta for sure, but Ontario and Quebec also. And as some of those plants close, we're attached to that. So there's been a leveling effect. So I don't think we're going to see April as uh, significant as, as we did in, uh, in March. There's also good news in the East Coast. The crab and the lobster season is going to start, uh, and they've been in under a delay of two to three weeks. Not a cancellation, just a delay. So there's just still a lot going on, and it, it's all good, but we're, we're ready for whatever happens to come our way. So is the industry capable of adding more capacity if demand is starting to grow in those markets? Well, we're a large-scale uh, industry as it is. Very large plants, massive equipment, really significant output. We have over 50 plants across Canada in our industries across the 10-member companies. We have plants in every province. It's built that way to serve customers. So when we have a surge in any particular area, the very first thing we're going to do is go into an overtime uh, opportunity with our existing workforce. We will move to 24 hours a day as soon as possible to keep up with the demand. We'll push into a, a six-day operation when needed, also to keep up with demand. And we have another thing going for us right now, and that's the student population. All of our plants hire students every summer. Quite often, they're sons and daughters of employees. That student population is always critical to us this year more than ever to keep our, our numbers up and look after any particular things that might come up unexpected. So while we're doing all those things, that's when we plan for any new equipment changes or any adjustments that we might need. And we've been doing that a, a long time and we're very good at that. So I'm comfortable those kinds of techniques will take us through the, the next phase as well. So speaking about supply and demand, did the lockdowns in China impact the Canadian industry at all from the supply side especially? The lockdown of China really doesn't affect our supply side. And it's not about just under the COVID-19 environment. They have very little impact on our supply side world as it is. The one thing they do move in on is, is sometimes purchasing North American recycled paper. But that's the only minimal threat on the supply side that I would say that we would be concerned with. It's just too far away. And service is key for our customers. The response to change is key for our customers. They want boxes when they need them. And that's just the way our, our life has to be. And we do it so well from where we are that uh, they simply uh, are in no position to replace us on a local basis in Canada. I mean, you talked a bit about the way that we're going to be moving towards more production if needed. Do you foresee there being any strain on the market as the economy is opening up and then you have a draw on corrugate from retail side, but then also people at home who are still buying online? I would expect that we're going to have a lot of activity with our customers about improving things around the struggles that they're experiencing right now. I don't anticipate that as being a roadblock as much as it is an expected process. 
it's just going to heighten the opportunity to analyze what we do, analyze how we do it. I think they're all going to want better home delivery programs. I think they're going to want to have a review of everything to do with the personal safety of their product, but hopefully ours as well and how, how it works into their, uh, their opportunities. And they're going to want to reduce costs. Those are efforts that we're going to have to be prepared for because there's a lot of stress on companies as they're going to be coming back on stream. And we'll do our best. I think we're going to be ready for it, but it's, it's just hard to predict exactly where that uh, is going to take us. So while we're speaking about safety, what are some of the things the container board industry has been doing to ensure sanitation during COVID-19, both on a plant level, but also on a product level? Following the lockdown in, in March, or should I call it chaos, it's just a huge issue. Can I separate that into two things? First thing would be the effort that we had to go through to make sure our employees were safe. We were concerned. They're concerned, and yet we needed to get the job done. Everybody took the steps towards those objectives without hesitation. They knew what the outcomes needed to be. So as we got into later March, we had a sense that there was great steps being made individually around our member plants. So we uh, instituted a coast-to-coast telephone conference call with member plants all across the country. And I'm going to thank Westrock for taking a, a real lead position on opportunity to put some things on the table and to take the, the next step for everybody. We were sharing the, the steps that were underway for things like telemedicine made available for employees and their families, because you can't get out to doctors the same, to make sure there was COVID resource centers available for employees, to make sure there was work from home as quickly as possible. Customer service departments were moved exclusively out of the buildings and to work from home strict restrictions on who was getting into our buildings. We had people sharing the documents that were used when there was a request to enter our building, and it didn't matter whether you were a truck driver, a delivery person, or any other local. You had to sign up and understand exactly why you were asking uh, to be into our plants. And we shared things about staggering shifts to get people in and out that allowed safe distancing, huge increases in sanitation rigor, including weekend shifts dedicated to cleaning. Those things all happened within literally days and were shared across the industry in ways that I was just remarkably impressed with. The cooperation that was shown to make sure all of these things were good for employees, good for everybody. But there's also customer safety here. We're never going to forget that. And we have to, I think, share an important thing about our plants that probably not many people truly understand. But in our process of making our corrugated board, we use extremely high temperatures, and at those temperatures, all bacteria and pathogens are killed literally within a second. And at the temperatures we run, that allows us to be assured that the board that we're using to prepare the orders is going to be as safe as we can possibly get it for every delivery. Further to that, I'm going to comment on uh, some work that Professor Sylvain Charlebois has been doing. He's a professor at Dalhousie University, and he's been doing in-depth research across the globe. He will confirm for us and to anyone else that wishes further information as well. But there has not been one instance of COVID-19 being transferred on a consumer goods package. We're happy with those kinds of things. So we can all stop Lysoling our groceries. <laughs> well, you really can. And yet look how many people you probably know that are doing it. Coming out of this pandemic, what do you foresee being the biggest challenge for producers? 
I think it's an understanding with our total customer base and consumer level about the safety of our packaging, about why it is safe, about having a confidence that when you are buying a product from a customer, you know it's going to be safe. So much has been said, but it's not all accurate. People are doing things out of fear, obviously, and, and caution is always good. But at the same time, we have to be able to rely on, on the research around us, rely on people uh, like Professor Charlebois. There's also some good depth at the University of Guelph that uh, we have used in the past. Uh, and I will uh, specifically mention Keith Warner. Professor Warner has been instrumental on some other things along this same line. So I think that's the area that we want to focus on the most. That may sound odd. That's not a product thing, but it's just an understanding of, of where we are in our economy and, and who's supplying and where you're from. Talking about the future of this industry, then switch gears a bit and talk about technology. What new technologies are coming down the pipe that pulp and paper producers and converters should be aware of? I had the uh, opportunity to attend the European uh, Corrugated Technical Seminar held in Geneva last October. That included all of the European corrugated uh, supply chain, whether it was mills or converters. The gold award for innovation at the show was awarded to a company called Macarbox. And it was for laser cutting equipment that they have now put into what you would call production mode. It takes it to a whole new level where you can take a computer-aided design from any design lab. You can send it directly to a laser cutter in production mode. And you can have the finest acute angles, the most precise cutouts. You can have etching, sequential numbering. And you can do all of this without any tooling whatsoever. You can change products on the fly. And you can do this in rapid, rapid fire. When you combine that with the digital printing that is still very new and changing more as we speak, but it's also becoming much more almost routine. But when you bring those two things together, it's going to bring a niche opportunity to our market that's never been seen before. It's coming and it's going to be a, a real good fit with digital printing. But then there's the other end of the spectrum. The other end is how do you take something that's high volume and ordinary and make it a specialty? You do it with technology. There's companies in, in Europe, uh, especially in Germany and Japan, that are key, key suppliers to us for corrugators and for flexo presses and for rotary die cutters. The engineering that has gone into improving the output from what we look at as normal equipment, but it's normal because we've had it for so long. This equipment is just mind-blowing in the capacity that it's going to put out for us. Now, it's not going to mean more plants, I'm sorry. It will mean fewer operations, but much more of a high-tech industry. Uh, it's the way to stay competitive. It's a challenge for all of the members to stay on top of it. That's the way mm -hmm. it's going to be. What are you talking about in terms of capacity? Look, give me some numbers. You can have uh, machines now that will move out 30 and 40,000 boxes an hour. You can set up and, and move through uh, 30, 35, 40 orders in a shift. These are just numbers that we could never achieve in the past because you were legitimately shutting down your machine for an extended period of time, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20. Well, now you're setting up the next order while one's already running, and they're running at such a faster pace that the whole thing just continues to flow. And it's not that people are working harder. <laughs> to be honest, they're not. <laughs> The equipment is engineered just remarkably uh, well for us. And those are people like MHI and VHS uh, on the corrugator side. And it's not going to stop. The next uh, 10 years will just have more of the same, more technology, faster output, greater output. Speaking of finding ways to adapt, the corrugated industry is one of Canada's first circular economies. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, the circular economy 
concept is probably a bit more European, places like the Netherlands for sure, but many of the European countries tend to be ahead of us. But if you take it in a nutshell, it's about eliminating waste. It's about the maintenance and continued use of resources. And it's about closed loop systems. And all of that is about productivity. And we keep coming back to the elimination of waste. In our industry, that path started, I would have to say, probably the 1970s, mid to late. And it made a steady progression, but it occurred mostly at the level of making paper. So the paper machines had to be changed, had to be adjusted to produce from recycled paper. And once you build that type of machine, you can't go back to virgin wood. But step by step, the Canadian industry replaced its older virgin material type based uh, paper machines with, uh, with machines that would run on recycled paper. And today, there's only one mill that's continuing to run uh, virgin fibers. They make great product. It's very unique to the white top industry for quality substrates, but that's the only one left. Everybody else has gone to recycled machines. Even the newest mill there is has been built on, on recycled. So to do that, you need a system to collect the recycled paper. And we cover the whole country for that from blue boxes to retail stores. We collect it, uh, we pay for it, and we use it to make paper packaging again. That's mm -hmm. the closed loop theory. That point about having only one virgin fiber mill left is quite interesting. So as a consumer, and I know some of our listeners in the industry are not exactly familiar with the container board market itself, we hear a lot about pre-consumer and post-consumer fiber. What is the difference between those two and how are they used in the manufacture of Canadian corrugated? Yeah, well, first I should apologize, I guess, for the confusing uh, terms, but that's industry, isn't it? Uh, we tend to put labels on things that are more suited to ourselves than perhaps to the general public. Uh, but the two definitions of pre-consumer and post-consumer are labels that we've put on the type of recycled paper that we're, we're collecting. So a pre-consumer fiber would be uh, the waste paper that's coming from a product that hasn't yet gone into a full life cycle of becoming something, a package, uh, a written document of any kind. So it's somehow been captured on a commercial basis, probably on an industrial basis. It's probably clean, probably never been printed much. So we tend to separate that because it's, uh, it's more reliable for us, it's cleaner for us, and we pay more for that. The post-consumer, that would be anything that's gone through a shipping cycle, most likely through a retail store for sure. And that's paper that we're going to be recycling directly from the curb in a blue box program or that we're getting in the compactors at the back of a, of a retail store. And that fiber, while it's still good, it's potentially going to have some contamination in it. It's more costly for us to go and get. So it needs to be understood in our world as being something different. And again, to the apology, I'm not sure we need to confuse the consumer with the two things. It really is only us that has to deal with that, and we should have made it easier. Sustainability is one of the strongest stories uh, about the Canadian cardboard market. So how would you encourage the industry to share this story with everyone? It's a wonderful story. It's a deep story. The first thing, let's give ourselves some credit here, but as a business-to-business -business industry uh, uh, segment of the economy, our customers know us really well. And we actually have some customer research that we uh, uh, had done specifically for us just a little over a year ago. And one of the key things there was the people that know us really do trust us. Our weakness is not enough people know us, <laughs> uh, which you could uh, understand given our, our, our world uh, within that B2B segment. But to improve a consumer understanding, it's just simply going to take more work, more work from us. That's really where the, the onus is going to come from. 
So it can start by associations like us, but others as well. We have, uh, uh, there's some similar people in, uh, in Canada and the North American market that are similar to us and we can unite in the kinds of things that we, we focus on. It truly needs to be more Canadian. There's some very different things in the U.S. market that aren't as likely to be featured in, in the recycle as much as we would do here. But our customers could help us as well. And I think maybe the pandemic will heighten that. They need to help customers understand why they have selected corrugated cardboard packaging. There are good reasons for it. So don't, don't be afraid to help share that as it, uh, uh, as it becomes important for people to know. And then remember, companies have to do more as well. We have over 12,000 employees across the country. It's time for them to realize that by the world telling us we're essential to the essential, well, help people understand why. That's a lot of voices across the country. So I would call on, on them also to assist. And a very definite thought here also towards, uh, towards the education system. We have very good solid rapport with places like Ryerson University who have a, an excellent packaging program with several hundred graduates each year. Uh, we have an excellent rapport at Conestoga College for their design elements, and that has to continue to grow and foster. There's issues right now, of course, with the pandemic for them as well, but we're going to have to work with them to make sure those, those things are addressed in ways that we can all uh, look forward to a solid future. But a combination of all those things, it just boils down to, to more work, not giving up and focusing on the things that are important. And what we've just learned, of course, there's some pretty big important things to people right now. Absolutely. And, you know, I think looking forward, fiber-based packaging is going to become more and more important. They'll be interested to see how the container board industry expands because of that. Thank you very much for sharing your insights today, Alan. If our listeners want to get in touch with the Canadian Corrugated and Container Board Association, how might they do that? Well, you could Google uh, Canadian uh, Corrugated. That'll find our, our website. But for anybody that has a pencil, if you want to just give me a call or a text, I'm wide open for that. And that's 905-868-0336. And uh, we'll gladly follow up with, uh, with things that are on people's minds so that we're, we're able to focus as we get towards the end of uh, our comments here, Christina. I'd like to, to give a real special thank you to the frontline essential workers. We couldn't have the response in Canada that we have had. And we know how much better it is than some of our neighbors without the commitment of these kinds of people. And that starts in so many ways with our frontline healthcare workers who have faced risks that none of us have. It carries on across our municipalities to our special forces, and it includes the workers in our essential industries like ours. Really remarkable time for them, and uh, we applaud their, their support to all the things that we need and all the things that we do. Absolutely. I concur. Well said. Thank you again, Alan. Thank you very much, Christina. Thanks again to Alan Kirkpatrick, Executive Director of the Canadian Corrugated and Container Board Association. You can find the CCCA online at cccabox.org. As for Pulp and Paper Canada, we're online at pulpandpapercanada.com and on Twitter at Pulp Paper Canada. You can also search for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm Christina Urquhart, and that's it for this episode of Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast.